Hey, good people, this is Yuri and I down back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The executive. I think that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to try to start with the executive. And there was a pause because I wasn't sure. And then there was a laughter because I'm not sure, but I'm going to go with it. And it sounds odd. So that was what that moment was about. But I'm going to start with the executive. It is what I suspect to be a culminating um, reflection. Or let me change that. What I desire for it to be a culminating ex- uh, reflection or the start to a culminating um, reflection because uh, we're heading towards the end of the year. Um, today is December 22nd, 2022. And we have a little bit over a year and um, I'll be going into the new year. Um, and uh, I always set resolutions. Although the last few years it's been tough. We could talk about that at another time. And um, and I also like to do a recap on the year. And so I, I started seeing a theme about a few episodes back around leadership. We've been talking a lot about leadership. So I, clearly that's the theme for the year. <laughs> but I don't think it's just leadership. I think in the last few months I've been um, challenged to think deeper about this idea of leadership. And it's been pushing me in this realm of executive leader. And yet there are a lot of complications around me settling into that framing executive leader. Am I an executive leader? Do I have what it takes to be an executive leader? Is that something I should, is that really, really where I want to be in the world as an executive leader? Versus my identity as a change agent, as a disruptor, right? So there are a lot of questions around this idea of executive leader. But I want to use today to just kind of get into it. Um, Because um, it came up for me as I was waking up this morning. uh, Because I'm thinking about doing some fictional writing, which I don't do. I, I'm, I'm a nonfiction writer. Uh, but I've been uh, thinking about doing some fiction. And I'll tell you about that on the other side. So as I was going, thinking through that through the night, because I think when I'm asleep, part of the theme that came up for me in this story I want to write is about the executive. Maybe that's the title of the story, the executive. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, um, so that framing came to me this morning as I was thinking about this story writing, fiction writing I want to do. And uh, there are a couple other uh, intersections around that work. Um, I met with my heart coach last night. I'm on travel. And I'm away from my, not only am I away from my house, I'm away from my city, I'm away from the region in the United States. And all of that 
I think has a has an impact on me this morning. So the executive is my starting point, okay? If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory theories. The two that I use the most are the the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing um, social scientist and educator for about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Um, I'm going to fast forward. This project is unedited. It is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to visit my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. I skipped a couple of disclaimers, but trying to get under that five-minute mark. Whoop, whoop. All right. So, um, so, yeah, I woke up this morning with the theme of the executive as part of a story that I want to write. And that story that I want to write has been, I would say, has been in in my in the backdrop of of my mind for about maybe a little under a year. And partially, I haven't allowed it to move to the forefront of my mind because of all the writing I do. I do a lot of. Um, text writing for educators I shouldn't say do a lot but I'm I mean I'm, for me to be a working woman and a, um, a change agent and a woman that has been in major like survival mode I have three texts that are well 2.9 texts that are published I need to get that thing done I gotta get I got a one final edit to make on this last text. And it's around my use of pronouns. And so the editor wants me to be consistent with how I'm using pronouns, which makes sense. I don't have a problem with that. But I had been using the pronoun he as an inclusive pronoun. And I know that he is really, I should be trying to disrupt that because in a patriarchal society, we center men as though they're the standard human and they're not the standard human so I technically should not be using he as the inclusive pronoun um, but I like doing he as an the inclusive pronoun because I identify as a feminist and I think as a feminist that's my way of it's another type of disrupting I disrupt the patriarchy in other ways. And then this one way, I can connect here. So it's my own unique brand of disruption. So I've chosen to use the he pronoun pretty pretty consistently rather than saying she. Just feels like a bit much. I'm a feminist and, and I'm on, now I'm going to center the woman. That's not what feminism means to me. Feminism does not mean centering women. It means disrupting hierarchies based on gender. So as a feminist, and I, I, I push for women to have greater equality. I think it's okay then for me to give, use the male pronoun, he. Okay, that's how I, how I justify that. If you don't like it, I'm not only, I'm okay with it, I actually invite you to share your 
your disagreement with me. I'd love to hear why you don't like my, what I just, the rationale I just provided. Um, so yeah, there's that. But apparently in, in this text that I've been writing, I've been using they in there sometimes. And I need to go back and take a look. Because I'm thinking that when I say the and they, 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 them, there, I'm using a plural pronoun. I think I might have just solved the problem, you guys. I think I might have solved the problem. Okay, this is why I love y'all. I love that you're here for me to hit the record button and start telling all my business because I really work things out. I say this to you all the time. I really, really do. I think I just solved the problem. Okay, so let me tell you what the problem was. So apparently in the text, I use they, them, they, they, them, there. And the editor is saying, well, why do you use the plural pronoun sometimes? And then the masculine male, the, the pro, uh, pronoun other times. And she's thinking that I'm sometimes dipping into they, them, there as, um, as a being, you know, politically correct and I don't have a problem with political correctness I know some people in the typology community don't like it I've seen it they don't like political correctness that's a whole separate conversation I think there's a reason why they don't like it it's about power but I'm not touching that right now I don't have a problem with political correctness but it has to be my political correctness right <laughs> so that's what I'm saying um <laughs> it's, it's that uh, tertiary fi uh, introverted feeling for me it has to be my political correctness. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but anyway, so um, so she she's wondering if I'm using they, them, there as a form of political correctness. And then if I am, then why am I doing he? So she, all she's saying is she's not taking a stance. She, she said two things. You want to be consistent. And then she also told me that they, them, there has become the preferred pronoun. The preferred standard pronoun. Um, and she kind of gave evidence. Like these major professional journals. Um, in in the academy they're using it. And so. That kind of hit me. Like. Ooh. That's, that hit me. Not, not because of political correctness. But I'm like. Well. As an extroverted thinker. I like following. I like using extroverted rules when I'm engaging with the extroverted world. I like using standards that the world has vetted and agreed upon in terms of rules and standards when I'm engaging with the outer world. And so the outer world has determined that the... I'm so in a rabbit hole, y'all. Bear with me. If the outer world has determined that the plural pronouns... um, the plural pronouns are preferred now as the inclusive pronoun, whether we're talking about singular subjects or plural subjects, then that catches my attention. That, you know, that just, that has been very difficult. So anyway, we're sitting on two weeks of waiting for me to make the final edit. That is the final edit I'm being asked to do (laughs) because I haven't known what to do. What do I want to do? The TE part of me is like, use the standard, use the, the new standard way of engaging or talking about the standard human, rather. 
or the inclusive human. And then there's another part of me, the feminist side of me, the, the liberated feminist part of me who's defining my own rules. I want to use he, not because how we've historically used he, but how I'm using he to support my brand of feminism. So here's what I think the solution is. I have to go to the text once I'm done with you guys. I have a meeting this morning, but then I'm going to go um, and uh, go check out the text. What I think I'm going to be able to, I'm going to first go and check out when I use they, them, there. I'm going to first check that out to make sure I was not using it as a, for as a singular pronoun. Because I don't think I would do that. I'm going to double check for that. If that's the case, whether that's the case or not, I'm going to go to, I'm going to say he. And then I'm going to add a clause somewhere in the text. Because I have an about the book. There's a section in the front of the book where I kind of give people some disclaimers. I'd like to give disclaimers so people come to me with some assumptions. My disclaimers kind of disrupt those assumptions. Now, you can still have your way of thinking, but I want to let you know I'm very well aware of what I'm doing. So if you're here, you're here because you want to be here. But I'm clear about what I'm doing. And so when I give those disclaimers to you all, that's about being clear for me and for you. And that's what I did in this last text that I wrote. In my introduction, I have an about the book conversation. I got a section about about the book. This is what's going to happen. I think one of the things I talk about in the book is that this is going to have a narrative style. It's going to have an academic and a narrative style. Two styles that don't always come together. Uh, particularly when you're writing for educators. And so I talk about that. Um, yeah. And in spaces where you have a narrative side, my text can, it gets pretty academic in, in sections of the book. And I had some other reviewers who were like, people may not know what these words mean. You might need to explain. That is not the purpose of this book. <laughs> so I did some explaining. But that is going to be on them, the reader. Now, nobody reads the book, right? If I've released the book and it bombs or fails, then we will cross that bridge and I will have learned a lesson as a writer. And I will, I need to have that lesson one way or the other. Um, that's the same way I do with this podcast. I say, hey, I'm not here to teach you personality theory. Now, I might do a little teaching along the way, but I'm trusting you to do your own homework. I'm using personality theory for a greater purpose for reflecting, for growing, for stretching, for myself and for you. But I'm not here to teach it, even if you learn it along the way. Does that make sense? And that's how it is in this other book. Anyway, I guess I'm going to have to re rename the dang um, episode because I'm doing a lot of talking about my writing. But anyway, so um, I am... <laughs> I'm in that section where I kind of give some disclaimers about the book. I don't call them disclaimers, but I think what I'm going to do is talk about why I'm using the he pronoun and boom, that's how that's been solved. And we will have it finished. <laughs> I will be able to close out the year with the last edits because I was struggling with, I had all of these edits to make. I've been making them over the past month. I call myself turning off all my alarms and apparently um, there's some indicators that I, I, anyway, so here we go. So yeah, I did the edits this month and then the last two weeks I've stalled. 
because I didn't know what to do with that pronoun revision and we just worked it out. <sighs> anyway, so I mainly do <laughs> that rabbit hole was because I was just talking about I mainly do nonfiction writing and um, and I've been wanting I know what I didn't do this morning in terms of turning off my indicator. It was a big one. Okay, we're good now. So I've been, um, there are a couple of texts I still want to produce. I got this one that I want to finish. Um, it's a very short text that I've taken about five to six years to write for it to, it's a ridiculously short text. And I think the subtitle is going to be called a pocketbook. So there's going to be a title. And I think in the, the subtext, I'm like, uh, subtitle, I might use the word pocketbook because the book is so small it's so short um but it's a, it's a reason why it's taken me forever to write this book mainly because it's taken me forever and I've been in different contexts at work and I've had to account for the different contexts because as an educator writing to educators I had to account for my context and as my jobs change it influenced what I was saying and why I was saying it so the last iteration what is being published is not being published based on the job I have now. It is being published based on the job, not that I had last um, in the spring, but where I had in the fall. Because <laughs> I've moved around a lot. Because I just would not allow myself to make any more revisions about that. So anyway, I have that, this book. And then there's one other book that I want to write because I have some unpublished articles that I've written. I wrote those education articles. I submitted them to the wrong journals. I now know that as an academic. It's not just about writing the articles. It's about really thinking critically about what journal you want those articles to be published in. And then you write, a, you've got to write for that journal and that audience. And so I wrote an article and then I didn't really know how to sell it to a particular journal. I was I was pitching it to the wrong journals. So my articles are more about, um, my articles are more about, um, my articles are more, that's the car beeping. My articles are more about, um, disruption in education, equity in equity, uh, education, liberation in education. And I was submitting it to articles, journals that were about diversity. And there's a difference between liberation and diversity, equity, liberation and diversity that I better understand today that I didn't understand when I was trying to submit those articles. So I just hit the world started spinning in a different direction and I just never pursued those that project just got parked and so now I just want to take those articles and put them in a book and move on like and um and now because I'm trying to put them in a book it's not enough it's not they're not enough it's not enough text I've got a lot of I've got a lot of articles that aren't published but I still need to write more because the publisher that I'm using um my publisher for my first book and not the publisher for the last book I'm going back to the publisher for my first book and they are requiring me to have a certain um, word count. And so I got to write more.
So that's the last book I want to do for education. I don't, I don't know if I want to say the last, but for now, I've got to get that done. And then I wanted to write a memoir. I think I told you guys this recently. Yep, I think I told you this in the last episode. I want to write a memoir. And I've been wrestling with that for a couple of years because there are mainly I wanted to write the book around intersectionality. And most people talk about intersectionality as it relates to race, gender, and sexuality. And that's fine. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But what I want to do is add to the conversation and add personality typing to that conversation around intersectionality. So if you listen to this and you're in the type world, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and quickly write an, um, a blurb so I can get credit because I don't believe many people are talking about intersectionality in the typology community. And I want to make you guys know I like to get credit. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to put that on the website just so I can get that credit. <laughs> um, that's the T.E. part of me, y'all. So. um So, yeah, so the memoir I want to write is around intersectionality and expanding the the considerations of typology when we look at these different identities around power and privilege. And um, and just really trying to figure out why, though, like, who is that going to benefit? Like, if I write a text, if I write a personal story that includes my different identities and how they intersect and sometimes how they move about and how they have they bring about conflict who's my audience who's going to benefit from that and um 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 i don't fully yet know i think in the last episode i talked about writing it for like the, the the learning um the scientific community like maybe writing it for psychologists um maybe writing it for researchers sociologists um even life coaches may you know um educators but writing it for more of an academic audience as opposed to lay people um it doesn't mean a lay person can't pick up the the text and read it, but what it does do is gives me permission to go deeper into theory and not having to be charged with ex- teaching the theory, like how what happened to me in this last text where a couple of my reviewers charged me to teach some of the concepts I incorporated in the book, and I didn't want to do that. I'm assuming that my audience knows these things. I want to make, there it is. I want to make some assumptions about my reader that anyway. So those are the things I've been thinking about for the memoir. And, um, and I'm not ready. I'm just not, I'm not ready to write the memoir. I don't, I'm not ready in terms of time because I have these other texts that I need to finish. And I'm not ready in terms of clarity about really the full nature of the book. So those, that's my writing agenda. And in addition to those texts, you guys know I'm a blogger. Now, this is all under my professional identity, um, not under this project. So I blog and um, it has highs and lows. 
when I'm not blogging, I'm podcasting. I'm under my primary podcast, which is scripted. <laughs> so I write it out. I'm becoming less scripted. Thanks to you all being comfortable being unscripted. It's been really helpful the last two years to have this podcast to learn that the world is not going to fall apart if I talk in an unscripted way. So I've, de- I've developed some confidence around being unscripted. So that primary podcast is becoming less scripted, but nonetheless, it still has a script that then requires me to write out. And so all of that is writing, um, which influences why when I went to you all, when I started this project, I was doing 100 episodes a season. Then I dropped down to 50 episodes a season. And now this past season, I did 25. I didn't think I was going to make it. But yay, we have five more episodes after this one. And I made it um, because I have to make room for my writerly life. I have to make room for it because I'm not just writing and podcasting. I also have a job and I'm also an independent woman and managing a household, you know, which requires I'm managing it. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So there's all of that. So in the back of my mind, this is going to be two parts, you guys. Hold on a second. There's no way for me to, excuse me, there's no way for me to to really delve into the executive after I've spent so much time talking about writing. But hopefully that, that conversation on writing, and I'm still going to talk a little bit more about writing, hopefully it's benefiting um, some of you out here who are, um, whether you're writers or artists or people who feel the need to express Especially if you're an intuitive, this is this is part of it. This is what's underneath a lot of this conversation. As an intuitive, particularly as an introverted intuitive, I see a lot. I see a lot and I see things in very unique ways. One, the husband and wife team calls that function perspectives. I love it because I have a perspective that very few people see in my industry, in my work. My mom and I had an interesting debate as because we rolled down together and you already know there's, I need to kind of talk to you guys while I'm on travel. We're all in a house together. Intergenerational trauma is all in the house. So <laughs> be prepared that one of the last remaining reflections may be some conflict. Let's pray that it's not. <laughs> I pray that it's not. I said this last year, but anyway, <laughs> um, that's just so you know, it could happen. But anyway, so we drove down here. My mom was in the car and we had a little interesting um, kind of uh, little back and forth. It was all in fun. My sister is working in corporate America, but she went to college and she got a science degree. I think it's biology. I think my sister has a bachelor's in biology. She's not using it. That, that, um, She's not in the sciences. She's, like I said, now the good thing is she's actually working. Um, it doesn't matter where she's working. She works in corporate America. And, uh, but her daughter, my niece, just got a, her bachelor's and, and she's too trying to get a science. She got a science degree. My niece's double, my niece's major was public health with a minor in chemistry. I think that's what it is. Either it was a major, in, I think, no, 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 it was a major in chemistry and a minor in public health. That's what it was. And so my sister has this really weird thing that she's been doing lately. Like, I have a biology degree too. 
what is it about you moms with your first daughters and having this competition here? So, um, there's something medically that my sister made a decision she would, she was going to do. And my mother challenged her and my sister was like, I have a, I have a science degree. And we laughed about that. But then my mother was like, well, that's her expertise. I'm like, okay, ma. She said, you have a, you're a social scientist and we respect your expertise. And as a social scientist, I'm like, actually, you don't. And she said, yes, we do. We do respect. I'm always referencing you and things that you say. And I'm like, now when it comes to family systems theory, because the moment I start bringing up family systems theory, you reject that. She said, no, I don't. She said, it's just hard. It's hard, but I respect it, but it's hard to receive it. And I said, well, what about the sociology of religion? And then she was like, well, there you go. We draw the line there. <laughs> but anyway, um, as a socio, you know, as a, as a NIDOM prospectus person, as a person that is trained as a social scientist, as a feminist, and not, not just a feminist, I said feminist, but I'm really, you know, critical, <laughs> a critical race feminist. I just see a lot. I have a lot of perspecting, if you will. I have a lot of perspectives. And I don't know if this is my auxiliary TE, but I've got to put it out there. And I remember when I first started doing my, um, um, working with my heart coach. When I was working with my heart coach, I would say, yeah, within the, Within the second year, I kept saying, I have a deep desire to output. And at that time, I was blogging. I was writing. I was blogging. Of course, I had already published two texts. And um, I was like, I feel the need to give out more. And I want to. And I already had a podcast. And I said, I feel like I want to start another podcast. And I remember saying to her, what is that? What is it? Because it also makes me feel vulnerable. Particularly the kind of writing I want to move into. I'm getting better at it. Um, I started a personal blog outside of my professional blog and this personal podcast. It's making me more comfortable. But otherwise, it feels very vulnerable to tell my story. You guys have heard me talk about that, right? Um, it's helpful for me to do it under an alias, even if you can find me, right? It's still helpful. I was like, what is that? And I just think it's because I have a lot to say about my industry and about life in general, period. So there's what all of that writing is for. Okay, now, and I'm going to bring closure here. I'm going to start bringing closure and then um, and then we'll see what's rem- what's left to do a part two, if at all. But I want to kind of tell you about the theme, that, the writing theme, the executive, and then, and then I think I'm going to bring closure. Um, this is going to kind of switch the conversation a little bit. I'm still going to talk about writing, but for a different reason now. Up until this point in the conversation with you all, I've been talking about writing as in sharing something. Giving this perspective to the world. I'm feeling continually feeling, um, my FI is, my FI is stirring right now, um, I'm getting, I feel a little, 
Uh, what is that? I can, I'm getting a weepy feeling right now. So that usually tells me I'm tapping into the, oh, I can feel it. It is strong on me. What the hell? <laughs> okay, let me push through it because I feel like crying all of a sudden. I'm not, but it feels, I feel like crying. But whew, um, up until this point in the conversation, I think I'm going to have to cry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Up until this point, I have been talking about outputting the perspectives, right? Sharing with the world, um, putting out there what I see. <clears throat> but this other writing that has been in the back of my mind for about a year has been about um, growing development for myself. It's a writing project that's not about other people. It's not for other people. This is a writing project for me. Now, albeit, when I write text or I blog or I podcast, I always get something out of it for me. We're not talking about podcast number two. We're talking about podcast number one. I always get something when I'm writing or I'm producing content. It, that, you know, it does. I get something because I have to understand it before I can convey it. And even if I thought I understood it, the moment you start putting it into text form, you you reinforce that you get. It's just a reinforcing reinforcement. So this is not what I'm talking about. This is not a writing project where I give to others and I reinforce myself in the process. No, this is a writing project strictly for my development. Now, if it happens to turn out to be of value, I will share it with the world. More than likely, the TE in me is not going to let it just sit in a drawer somewhere. But it is not being, it's not, this project is not being conceived or imagined for an audience. It's being conceived and imagined for me and my development. So let me tell you what the project is. The executive, well, I'm not going to call it, I keep referring to it as the executive, as though that's the title. It's a theme and it's not the title yet, although it may become the title. Over the past year, I have been wondering. I don't even have the words for this, you guys. Maybe this is why I have gone into a thousand rabbit holes. Because I don't have the words to explain to you the impression that's on the inside of me. That's what happened. Because usually when I linger and I go all around the world and back, is because I don't have words to express an impression. That's exactly what's happening. I don't have it. I'm going to just give you, I'm going to do the best I can to talk around it though. Know that what I'm about to say is not it. I'm just trying to get close to it. Um... I wonder, theorized, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to call it a hypothesis, but it is a wondering. I wonder if, oh my God, this is so hard. I'm sorry, y'all. This is really tough. I wonder if um, I'm disconnected from myself. Yeah. I wonder if I'm dealing with a disconnect. 
<clears throat> and some of that disconnect, you can put it in the context of, of trauma. I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm significantly more comfortable talking about trauma than I was when I first started this project. I, it is so is what it is, right? So I don't think, so yeah, there definitely might be some disconnecting to the self because of trauma, right? Okay. But I'm thinking that I'm talking about, um, I'm wondering if this disconnect is related to my dominant function, introverted intuition. We don't linger and live in the physical world. We're conceptual. We live in concepts. I, oh my God, this, I'm getting closer. Being connected to myself as a physical, oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I know I have an audience and I need to get it together because I'm having some breakthroughs right now as I'm talking to you. Being connected to myself physically is not enough. No, I'm still in the wandering space, although this is starting to feel good. Being connected to myself physically is not enough. But because I'm a concept person, I need to be connected to myself as a concept. And I'm disconnected. I'm, oh my goodness, there it is. I'm disconnected from myself as a concept. Not as a physical entity. Which is one of the reasons why I love personality theory. Personality theory gives us some concepts to understand the self. Right? But I'm not just an INTJ. And I'm not just an INTJ8. And I'm not just an educator. I'm not just a social scientist. You know, I'm the sum total, which is what the memoir is going to get at when I write it <laughs> one day. But this, so that's part of it. But that would put it in the fictional, excuse me, non-fictional realm. When I write that memoir, it's not fiction. It's going to be non-fiction. It's going to be grounded in some fact and reality and as much as that is treated as fact and reality. But this fiction text I want to write is storytelling. It's about not just me as a sum total, but about the life I want to live as a sum total. And I wonder if Two things. If because I'm struggling with connecting with myself as a concept, I don't know how to take the full me, which is the physical me and the conceptual me, and build a life around her. And so, oh my goodness, I'm I'm spending so much time and energy to build a physical life around, a physical life. And I'm disjointed of a conceptual life. And for me as an N.I. Dom, it is concept first and it's physical second. Holy smokes. This is so good. For me as an N.I. Dom, I don't know if you're listening and you're an N.I. Dom. I don't know what it is for you. But for me as an N.I. Dom, it is concept first. 
there's a scripture in the Bible that says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Here's another part in the Bible. As it is in heaven, so it will be on earth. Right? That 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 speaks to this thing is before a thing can become real, it has to be an idea first. Before it can manifest into the physical, it must be conceptual. Well, if I'm having a conceptual disconnect with the self, then I'm naturally going to be conceptually disconnected from the life I want. But yet I'm Oh my gosh. Yet I'm trying to pursue a life. Now, let's scroll back. I got two things I want to say. Um, the things I wanted to say are starting to bump, bubble up here. <clears throat> let's rewind. A few episodes ago, I did an episode. Was it the last one? No, I don't think it was the last one. I can't remember what the last episode was called, but the thing two episodes ago, I did one called first and then second. And I was talking to you about strategy. I got to have a strategy. And, and that's what masterminders do. INTJs, we mastermind and you don't mastermind without a strategy. And I don't want to rehash that episode, but mainly I've been figuring, really contending with the strategy of how to sustain my 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 physical needs, how to take care of my physical needs and my psychological needs. And this is something that I didn't frame it as clearly as that, but this is what it's about. Psychologically, I'm not well. If I'm not positioned to power in a particular way, and I, that might sound sucky to you, and here's the here's what I I need to say more because I want to say I've had a recent breakthrough. I don't think it's been a recent breakthrough. I think I've just started saying it. I believe in shared power. That's a that's something that's deep a deep core value of mine. What I've had to learn a lot in the last five to six years is that the only way I'm ever going to really get at shared power is by having power to share. Which sucks. In order, or let me say it differently. In order for me to get at a life of shared power, I have to be able to control the life so that I can prioritize power sharing. So in an organization, I have to be the person to run the organization, then to say, and then to mandate, well, no, mandate shared power. So if I'm mandating it, I'm not really sharing it. So that's something I'm going to chew on. I, I hear the, I hear the contradiction. I do. So let me say, maybe it's a type of shared power. And I talked about this a couple of years ago with you all utopia in my mind utopia we would live in a place where we would just be sharing power and i just thought that all you had to do was disrupt power hierarchies if you disrupt the power i assumed initially if you disrupt the power hierarchy you would automatically get to shared power and i unfortunately have learned that's just not true that we are, the social world, this thing that I call the matrix, 
we're programmed to exist as a hierarchy. And I don't even know if it's just a social world, because if you look at the animal kingdom, the animal kingdom exists in, in some form of hierarchies. I don't know if I don't know if all animals do, but I know a lot of them. So maybe this thing that I want to do around shared power, maybe it's unnatural. Or maybe it's forward thinking. I don't know. Either way, it's not easy. And and what I have learned that disrupting power is not enough to get at shared power. I have to have the I have to have the power to show it. I had breakfast with a young lady um Sunday. I don't know if I told you guys this. I think I may have. A former student of mine. She's thirty one now. She'll be thirty one in January. I had her at I had her from age I think thirteen to seventeen. She was a student of mine in my school. So I'm sitting across the, and I'm talking to her. And those principles around shared power it was just all in her. I had the opportunity to make that deposit in in peace in a in a group of people, and I can see that. I can see how she raises her kids. It's just amazing. Um, and that all came because I was in I had positional authority to do that. I'm in a job now where I have semi authority to push it. But, whoa, it's a, it's a lift. It's a lift if I thought I was going to take my butt in there and be like, I'm in a position, we're going to do shared power. And now the organization is sharing power. It is nothing like that. Because we have all of these pathways, um, defaults, auto, automated ways of being that's grounded in hierarchical beings. I talked to you guys about reading an article where this lady um, who was talking about autism, she was autistic and she's INTJ. And she calls the people, she calls people pyramid people. She says the pyramid people, people who are programmed for the hierarchy. Anyway, that's, that's a rabbit hole, but... I don't, I don't really know where I was at when I dropped into that rabbit hole. So I'm just going to try to go back and pick up where I, where I think I should pick up and, and I know it'll come back to me. But, um, so I've been spending my life trying to do, can I kind of get this physical thing together, this physical world together, particularly as a person that doesn't want to be dominated. So in order to not be dominated, I have found it have had to be in a position of some kind of authority. So that's been occupying a lot of my mental energy, a lot of my time, physical, physical uh, authority, physical security, and being in a position where I'm not dominated. That's the eight part of me coming up. And that's where I fell into the rabbit hole, the psychology of where I've been. So I've been in a physical place pursuing physical security and psychological security because I'm not well when I am being dominated or attempt. That is just, I'm not. I don't do well in that. So those two priorities, the physical and the psychological. 
And I'm going to call this the spiritual. I don't know if I should yet. But the conceptual part of me is under tapped. And maybe that is the spiritual part of me. I need to, I need to meditate on that for a little bit. And while I'm contending with this physical and the psychological, both very important, you've heard it. You've witnessed it. I've given it to you in real time. You guys, it's all here. <laughs> Yay, me. It's all here for the world to see. I have been not pursuing the conceptual me. This is it. Oh my goodness, you guys, you don't know how good this is for me. This is so good. And I think this is because I am an INTJ. I am driven by the future. I'm driven by concepts that only I can see and I can implement. And I haven't been able to do that because I have been wrestling with the sick, the physical me and the psychological me. But there's a conceptual me that exists. And um, if you if you you might be like, there's a lot more psychologically that you need to contend with. And I'll take that. I will take it. But you understand, there's a conceptual me that is a, deeply a part of who I am. You guys here have heard, I had my own school that I designed. I didn't take, I didn't start a school. I started one, but I also designed one. And so as I prepared, and I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but as I prepared to do another school and I put to, uh, put a proposal out there, which was approved, by the way, the one thing that they wanted me to, they told me that I needed to be prepared for with some of my naysayers is that they want me to say my school is based on another model. They don't want me to say that my school is based on my own model. I was able to get away with that the first time when I started the school. And this particular authorizer is like, there are going to be people who want to know that your school is based on an idea beyond you. And so I, I got it. I think I finally found the way I'm going to strategize and play that game. But for a long time, I was like, I'm not playing that game. The schools, the, the, thing, the, the organizations that I pursue... The things that I pursue are because of my perspective, because of what I can see. That's the whole point of me doing it. And it's not even because I want to run it. That's, that's what's the, that is the delay in me going about it again. I don't want to be weighed down with having to run another school. Doing all of it. I don't want to do it. And, and I, the, the thing I have to really, really wrestle with as I get back into the conceptual me is you're going to be working for the next 10 years at least. So what's the kind of work you want to do? Either you're going to be doing the work for somebody or you're going to be doing the work for that school. You're going to have to make a decision because you have to work for the next 10 years at least. So you might as well just get over it. Get over it somehow. (laughs) This is the conversation I'm having with myself. Once I resolve it, I will let you all know. But 
I'm a person that it's, I'm driven by building out, implementing, not operating, but implementing the thing that only I can see. So hopefully this helps you and me understand why there was a weepiness that was coming over me. Every time I think about it, I feel it again. Because I'm moving about in the world and I don't have a conceptual vision for me. I'm, I'm now I'm using my introverted and intuitive self to strategize for the physical world and my, for my physical well-being and my psychological well-being. All of that work I've been doing was heavily dependent on my top two functions, introverted intuition, extroverted thinking. Absolutely. But there's more there. Oh, I can see it. Um, Part of me just, well, I paused for a second because I was like, does that mean you've been functioning as an ENTJ? And I was looking on some content, some comments. I don't know if it was a YouTube video or an article I read, but in the comments they were like, I'm still struggling with between trying to figure out if I'm an ENTJ or an INTJ. And I really so bad wanted to write and say, this is how you know between the difference between being an ENTJ and INTJ. An ENTJ is going to act first. And ponder and imagine second. But it's all going to be about acting first. And so I paused for a second because I was like, in this difficult season, as I've been trying to get back on my feet, it's all about acting. I dare not think. It's all about the, okay, it's about two things. It's about acting and it's about the physical reality. And so that either is putting me functioning as an ESTJ or an ISTJ. Excuse me, an ENTJ or an ISTJ. And the reason why I put that ISTJ out, because because I'm an introvert, and that would make the SI dominant for me. So there's still some introversion. There is some introspecting happening, but it's all about the physical world. It's all about what's what is proven and accepted as whatever and in order for me to get back on my feet i had to accept the rules and the laws of the matrix of the social world you gotta work you gotta have a place you got i mean i literally had some fundamental like i, I had even had a re reestablishing of money in my head i had to become reacquainted with the concept of money the concept of a physical, taking care of myself physically, I literally had to reestablish all of that when I had to get, when, when I was getting up on my feet because I had become disconnected. Okay. The unfortunate part about it is that now that I'm back on my feet, and this is what I told my heart coach, this has not happened, this has happened to me a number of times, which is why I really think we need to have like, like some kind of institution for NI doms because I don't think that we are suited for this world I just don't because I've been here before not 
at its level of maturity, obviously. I get on my feet and I'm like, this is not enough. Oh, the last episode I did was about motivation. Motivation, desire, and passion. I said I'm without it. And I talked about being able to have some clarity when I get on the road to do this trip. And that's kind of what has happened. And I dread. I dread going back to my house. Not because I don't like my house. Not because I don't don't like my job. That's not enough for me. I'm living a life that's not enough. It's just not enough. I need more. I just need more. And I have to figure that out while maintaining the physical demands. And 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 in the past, I've chased it. I just I've just jumped up and I've just chased an idea. But it wasn't really a well well, that's not true. In terms of work, or in terms of school, in terms of my business and work, those have all been well-developed. But in terms of lifestyle and me, the whole me, the total me, no, it's not been well-developed because I've never, I've, I've never really had a mechanism to, to do it. Because at first I was going to say, I've never had the wherewithal. I don't think I had a mechanism to do it. I've not had a model for that. You know, I'm listening to my mom in her seven. She's 70. And she's talking about the, what she wants out of life. And it was so good to hear her talk like that. Because you, you can do it. But it does mean, and I'm just going to say this. You know, I was like, Ma, it's okay to go and build new friends. That doesn't mean you let your old friends go. You build new friends who are going to want to do some of the things you want to do. My mom is, my mother is um, an ESFJ. So she wants to experience life. We stopped at a gas station. And this lady walked up to the car en route to the south. This lady walks up to the car and starts talking about my dogs. I did some chit-chat with her. But of course my mother as an, uh, as an ESFJ um, lingers with that lady a lot longer I had gone into used the bathroom, bought some snacks. My mother was still out chatting with the lady. <laughs> I was like, okay. But she it made her happy. I got upset with my mom a month or so ago. We went out to dinner. And this lady, we were waiting in line. She ends up talking to the lady the whole time. This is, I know this is going to sound shitty. But I ended up having dinner by myself. I know, don't feel sorry for me. That's the situation I am with my mom, right? But I was sitting at a bar. I was talking to people. So I wasn't just sitting lonely. But it was, it was rude. It was rude of my mother to do that. And my mother doesn't have the capacity for me to, to just talk that out with her. Because then she gets his, just, just gets, it's just not good. So I just keep in a piece. But you could tell she, she knew something. She knew it was wrong eventually. But she had already, she was just so hungry for that new experience with this stranger that she chose that over spending time with her daughter it is what it is it is what it is but the point of the matter is like this lady at the gas station my mom is craving that and not knowing how to go about it that's the same challenge I'm having except I don't yet fully know what it is that I crave Because I've not 
I don't have a cons- I have not given my N.I. Dom the space to imagine. And I'm, it's just a lot. I know there's a lot in this reflection. It's not done. It is not done. But I feel really good about putting a lot of this on, getting it out. Because when I go back and I listen to it, I'm going to be able to process it. So thank you all. Uh, let me just close by saying this. Um, so this thing that's been in the back of my head for the last year and what I finally for the first time articulated when I talked to my heart coach yesterday I said I wonder I've been thinking loosely about writing a non-fiction piece about the life I want about the life I want and I don't even think it's about this is so good it's not even about who I want to be anymore I think the part of me, I, I have flushed out the me part of me. I don't even think there's anything new to do with that. But we as individuals are social beings in a social world. I've got to flush out that social world for myself. And I've been trying to research and read and try to find examples and models. I cannot find it. And a part of me has been wondering for the past year, what happens if I imagine it? And the way I do it is if I write it out for my damn self. What if I write a nonfiction piece? Excuse me. Sorry. What if I write a fiction story, a fiction piece, where I imagine my, so- my life in the social world beyond work? beyond personality theory and I write it out as though it is but that would be fiction though right it's okay and then that can become my model because I started off my session yesterday with my heart coach by telling her I said I think I need a life coach because I'm trying to do something I don't have a model for I'm stuck I talked about the last two months maybe three but let's just lock it and say the last two months I've for the weekend I've had love for the most part peace I don't even I wouldn't even call it peace let's say it differently the last two months I've had quiet time on the weekends where I can just attend to myself so what do I do? I take care, you know, I take care of my bills. I take care of the house, clean the house. I give a little bit of time to work, but I've been I've been really good with that. I give myself about four to five hours of Saturday morning to work, and I'm done with it. I've been trying to do this online dating. You guys have heard me talk about how insufferable it is, um, because it's just boring. But I feel like it's important. I've been trying to get back into setting goals. But all of that's taking me, every time I go back to goal setting, it's taking me into some structural world, the structural world, the physical world. Buying a house, getting a car, getting the business up and going. That's still the part of the physical world. So I've been like, nope, but there's more. 
particularly that last episode I did. There's more. There's more to life than that. And that means I have to talk about what's going to make me feel motivated. What's going to give me desire. What's going to give me passion. I've got a mastermind that. I call myself a mastermind INTJ. INTJ that. How about that? <laughs> I've got to do it. Otherwise, how is it going to get done? And I'm a, I, I believe it. I believe it. My daddy always said there's not one problem you can't solve. My father always said it. It's not one problem you can't solve. Now, some of us, we can philosophically delve into that and unpack that. And I get it. That would be fun to do it. That fun exercise. We're not going to do that today. But I, 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 I subscribe to that, the sentiments of that. Are there exceptions? Possibly. But for the most part, as an INTJ, I truly believe every problem has a solution. That motivation, desire, and passion. That's important. That was a really important reflection. And it's been important because I've been talking about strategy. And then getting on my feet. All of this is coming together. It is a cumulative reflection. I'm hitting that place. And so as we get ready to close the year and I start thinking about what has this year been? And I start planning for next year. All of this is relevant. All of it is. All of it is. So, I accepted the I accepted the challenge last night. When I said it to my heart coach about writing a story, I write a story. I write a story, a fiction, a novel. I'm gonna write a novel. I don't know how long it's gonna be. <laughs> I don't know, and I don't even have the time in my writing life. But I'm like, if maybe I have to prioritize this. Maybe I have to prioritize, because I keep saying, I'm going to get to the memoir, I'm going to finish these two education texts, and I'm going to write the memoir, and then I, I don't know if I can afford to put that novel at the end, of, at the, in fourth in line. I'm going to have to probably move it up. It's probably going to have to be the next project. And that other education book, which is so hard because so hard. I want to get that. I want to just check that off the list. Maybe I can write them at the same time. There's so many things I want to do, y'all. <laughs> it's always. I need to be a cat. I need to be a cat. I need nine lives. There's so many things I want to do. And so, so I'm going to strategize it. But um, as I told my coach last night I was like yeah and she really loved the idea and she she likened that idea she got it immediately she's like it's like building a vision board that's what you're talking about it's a different form of visioning envisioning a vision board but you're going to write it out because that's who you do that's how you envision when I did my school because I've kept a, di a diary a journal which has been in writing most of that time I still keep a written journal, although most of my journaling now is through you all, and then I do have a private audio. But I still have a, a written journal. It's just not a lot. A lot comes through the written space for me. Prophetically, if I'm going to call it prophecy. You guys have already heard me talk about feeling icky with that word, but I don't feel icky saying it here because I'm talking about being prophetic for myself. It feels icky to talk about being prophetic for other people. But I'm going to prophesy to myself. 
I'm going to speak truth to me. And I'm going to write it out. I don't know. Hopefully it's, it could be a short text so I can get back to my other writing projects. But that's what I'm going to do. So last night I was like, it was like, okay, it became a real project. And I went to bed like, okay, I'm going to write this now. And I really struggled before I went to bed like, this is the hard part. I'm getting ready to write a novel about the life I want. <laughs> and I have no idea other than work and some physical goals what they're going to be. But I believe in that dominant intuitive function. I believe in it. So I went to bed and I woke up this morning with the executive. That whatever you do, you've got to make sure that that is a theme in the book. And I realized, because as I was trying to imagine a life, that's what happened. It's when I woke up this morning, I was trying to imagine this life I want to write about. I realized the life I was writing about was in conflict with some of the things that I've been imagining about the kind of social life I want is not factoring in some other priorities that I have. Other priorities and values about being physically secure, about having a, a proper relationship with power. That is a non-negotiable. But although it's a non-negotiable for me to remain physically secure and for me to have uh, a, a, a proper relationship with power, this is all in the Enneagram 8, you guys. Recheck out the Enneagram 8 if you're like like the INTJs. Don't act like that. And I just listened to a podcast, um, uh, YouTube content. I've listened to it before, but I re-listened to it. It talks about the different INTJs. The, the main ones are INTJs 1, five and six I knew five and that kind of and then the the, the main uh, INTJs in the Enneagram are one five and six according to this lady and then she said you can have threes and eights and it, and it's rare to have the other numbers but it's possible but the, within possibility one three five and then excuse me one five six and then some threes and eights and so I was like there it is so it was really good to hear that eight I would love to come back and talk a little bit more about the eight variants to the INTJ and what I think and what this lady thinks. Maybe I'll do a YouTube response to her and then uh, I'll reference it to you on that when I release it. So go check out, you know, keep your eye on that YouTube, my YouTube channel, your NI Down, because I think I'm going to respond to her because I've listened to that content twice and I want to respond to it. But anyway, all of that is true. Me being physically secure psychologically well as it relates to power because of my eight's relationship to power all of that's true and not but and and we need and I need to make sure that I'm living a conceptual life a life where I can see it allow myself to see imagine and then produce the thing that I see and I imagine getting back to the conceptual me is really what this episode should be named getting back to the conceptual me and as I thought about the text that I want to write the, the story I want to write the executive has to be a part of it and then by me 
putting the executive in that story. It's me securing the both and dilemma that I'm contending with. Being conceptual, physical, and psychological. The executive. That's what we got today. You guys, uh, oh my gosh, if this reflection has any value for you, please give it a heart. If this, uh, if my moving about talking a lot about writing, but do you see, I was talking a lot about writing, but it was really the way that I was talking about the conceptual part of me. Whether it was about writing, whether it was about security, whether it was about psychological wellness, whether it was about the eight, ni darkness, if any part about even the trauma part. <laughs> um, if any part of this reflection has uh, connected to a conversation that you've had in the world, please take this link and share it with those uh, participants. Give them context. Do a meaningful share, share. But please do that. You guys, the more you share my content meaningfully, right? Not just sharing it, but meaningfully with people that can relate the more I'm building an audience of people who get me, the more I'm able to move into my authentic self. It truly is of help. My my downloads, even though even though my episode release frequency has dropped, my download reviews have increased. So either that means you like this format better, or it means that people. <laughs> People are finding their way to me. They get where there's a kinship. I got a, a message via Twitter uh, yesterday where somebody said, thank you for this last episode. It really helped me. I didn't, I wanted, I'm going to respond to him and say, can you say more? Because I wanted to know more. But damn, that feels good. It feels good to know that as I'm processing these things. Because I don't like putting my business out there. The vulnerable me doesn't. But it has been, but the the me that wants to grow, the me that's driven by growth and contemplation, it does it anyway. I, I push past that discomfort. And so please continue to share meaningfully um, and share this particular episode if it relates to a conversation you've had in the world. If my moving about has caused some randomness, and you, I always am down for it, I would love to hear it. You can find, please share that with me. You can find me on my website at yourandidom.wordpress.com. I brought my personal computer with me this this visit with, on my vacation because uh, I knew I was going to be doing some writing. I knew it. Just to know what kind of writing I wanted to do. But I knew it. Um, I brought my work computer and my, my, uh, my uh, personal computer. And so anyway, I'm going to go and check my my you're in I Dom website uh, while I'm on this vacation. So you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter at you're in I Dom one or Facebook and YouTube. You're in I Dom. Let me give you an assignment. You know, I'm going to make this simple. I have a desire to make it. There's some, there's some, um, I have some, uh, I have an impression that there's some complex questions I can ask you. Like there's a desire to kind of get, uh, granular here. Uh, robust uh, have a, uh, make my questions robust in this particular topic but I'm going to keep it as simple as possible here's your assignment I want you to map out the physical you the psychological you and the conceptual you 
And I don't, do not confuse the psychological you and the conceptual you. They're not the same. They overlap as though the conceptual you and the physical you overlap. And as though the physical you and the psychological you overlap. I got a triangle in my head. Map out those three. As a matter of fact, draw a triangle and and in one point describe the conceptual you, another point describe the psychological you, and another point describe the physical you. Be interesting to see what would go in the middle of that triangle. Is that the spirit? I don't know how to chew on that. But that's your assignment. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. I'm going to go in there and spend some intergenerational trauma time with my family. <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think, it's, I think I feel really good. I think it's going to be better. I got a plan. I'm going to get some hotel rooms set up uh, on standby just to have some time away. I got a plan. I got a plan, but I'll keep you guys posted. Okay, we have five more episodes before we close out this season, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go dark. But you guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.